Welcome to New Innings. Mariah, I love that music on that intro now, huh? Yeah. Looks like we know what we're doing or something. Rocking and rolling. I know. Well, my name is Darren, and I'll be your host today. Uh, We have our uh, producer, Mariah, I was just talking to, working the other side. Say hi, Mariah. Hi, everyone. Mariah, you know what? We have a, uh, we actually have a man on the show today. We've had uh, nothing but women so far. That is very true. I I, noticed that, but you know. Well, it's hard to get the guys to come out, (laughs) man. They're just, I don't know if they're shy or if they just, uh, they're too chicken. But the uh, the women seem to, to always volunteer first. But uh, we definitely can get started on on uh, getting some more men on here after uh, Dan's on today. But uh, we're one step closer getting patched up, Mariah. I have oh. the yeah I have the patches in my possession now. So now I just got to get them on. So hopefully next week I won't have this plain looking vest on, but I can officially uh, represent Broken Chains. Dan, I think Dan, uh, Dan from South Dakota is going to be on today. I think he's a Broken Chains member, too. I I think he told me he's like number 1643 or something. Wow, that's really Uh, cool. Yeah. So I think he actually rides. I'm I'm the associate, but we're working on that part. But he's got quite a story, actually. It's uh, typical in a lot of ways that most of us uh, are, in fact, that uh, he accepted Christ when he was really young. And then managed to get on the wrong path, just like I did. But in in the end, he got back to you know to normal by uh, going through Celebrate Recovery. But before we get to Dan, I wanted to remind everyone to share this show on your own pages, your CR pages, just uh, just someone you think might just need a gentle push. I mean, share it with them. Join our Facebook group on uh, at New Endings Radio. We uh, like our Facebook page on New Endings Radio. Visit the website newendings.online. All these uh, ways are ways for you to, to share the uh, message of Celebrate Recovery and help people get started in the right direction. Do your part on helping someone you probably don't, won't even know. You get it out there, you don't know who's looking at it, and it only takes a push of a button, so it's not like it's real time-consuming or anything for you. Do your part and, and get that out there. But, uh, Mariah, let's get, let's get Dan on the line. Let's just get started right in this week. And Dan, are you there? Hey, Darren. All right, Dan. All right. Is, uh, well, was that right? 1643? Is that your number? That's my number. All right. Great. Now, you, you're a rider, right? You you actually have a motorcycle? Yes, sir. Got a couple of them. Uh, I uh, actually mm-hmm. just picked up a uh, 05 Victory Kingpin last week, so I am really pumped up. Okay, whatever that means. miles lately. All right. Kingpin sounds good. I don't know. Oh, I, yeah. I, yeah, I'm, oh, I, I'm one of the wannabes, so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Dan, as always, we're, we're kind of curious to find out how Celebrate Recovery came into your life and what it did for you. But we, we need to start off with a little bit of ba- background so we kind of know uh, what you've been through. I know most of your life was set up by your, uh, your childhood experiences. So why don't, oh, yeah. You, yeah, why don't you just start there and tell us a little bit about uh, your father and his PTSD and, and alcohol and the farm issues you were telling me about and so we can understand and understand a little bit more. Why don't you just go ahead and start there? Sure, sounds good, Darren. Uh, and, and by the way, just thanks for having me on here today, man. I, I love sharing yeah, well, uh, and encouraging anybody out there great. who is in need of recovery of any kind. So Absolutely. Well, I, I grew up in a military family, um, third generation, and so there are quite a number of combat veterans in my family. And uh, that also means I grew up moving around a lot. Um, my dad is a, a great guy. He's a believer in Jesus. But when I was young, he was still struggling with, uh, with his own post-traumatic stress from Vietnam. He was uh, a medic in the war, and uh, he really wrestled with that. Uh, when he came back, he was an alcoholic for quite a while. But uh, by the time I came along, he was sober, and he was actually back in the Army again. 
and he did uh, 24 years, I believe, altogether in wow. the military. So Good. it was great growing up as a military brat, uh, moving around everywhere every few years. You, you get a lot of experiences. Um, but, you know, honestly, in the household, that was kind of the, the, the family secret was my dad's anger because, you know, he was still dealing with that stuff. Even though he wasn't drinking, um, he had never really dealt with the the issues. And, of course, again, this goes back, you know, generational because uh, his father was kind of the same way, um, came out of World War II with some issues as well. So that was the family secret. And we had to just deal with the fact that once in a while um, something crazy would just make him blow up and he could get pretty physical. Um, I remember the last time that I got a whooping, it was, um, I was, I was in the house for a week afterward. Um, he just kind of flipped his lid over something that was really pretty silly, honestly, and, uh, just beat the living tar out of me. And I had bruises all up and down my legs and my back. Wow. And, um, the, the crazy part was, you know, years later when I went to talk to him about some of this stuff, um, he didn't remember a lot of them. Uh, he was aware from being told that he had done this, but, but he would get into these blackout rages. Um, and not a lot, but, you know, when it happened, it was pretty bad. The rest of the time he was gone a lot. Uh, of course, some of that was military deployment. But uh, a, a lot of that, as I've come to learn, was just avoiding his kids. Um, and it wasn't because he hated his kids. But, you know, kids could trigger stuff. Um, I learned later on that, you know, kids scream and they fight and they mess around. And some of that would just trigger some of his memories from Vietnam. And uh, so he just had a hard time handling being around kids and their nonsense. So he avoided his kids. He was a workaholic. And uh, that kind of set the stage. Uh, I'm not sure how, how far you want me to go. Well, um, Do we talk about the farm thing we talked about? Yeah, yeah, you can get, you can get into that. I know because that's uh, kind of the main part of your, your issue, you know. Yeah, it, it really is. So um, when I was a young man, he went up being stationed in Kansas for several years. And uh, my dad had an old friend that he knew who had a, just a small kind of a hobby farm. Uh, but it was out in very rural Kansas. And my dad kind of had a philosophy, which was, hey, it, it would do a young man some good to be out there in the country and get a little understanding of farm life. And that's Makes a great sense. philosophy. I yeah. agree. Mm -hmm. So he sent me out there. Um, unfortunately, my dad didn't know that that farmer friend of his was also a pedophile. Mm. So uh, over the course of several, well, a couple of years, um, maybe about 10 to 12 years old or so, uh, on numerous occasions, I was out there on this farm, and uh, the guy's wife worked in town, and so she was gone a lot. He was semi-retired, um, kind of worked here and there if he wanted to, and so there was a lot of time with just me and him, and he took a lot of those occasions to uh, to abuse me, to molest me, to um, to do other things that you know I don't really, I, we don't need to get graphic about, right. but. Um, that really set me into a course there because I, I was very confused by that. Mm -hmm. And the biggest reason was that this guy was also a lifelong uh, church attender. He professed to be a believer in Jesus. And, of course, like I said, yeah, this was a guy that was a friend of my dad's. And so, you know, I was totally confused. You know, what, right. how do you jive those things? Um, right. Of course, it didn't feel right, but, you know, the other aspect of, of growing up in, in the kind of household was, um, my dad's generation didn't talk about sex and things like that. So, so you didn't tell your parents about you know, it at all? Huh? Sorry, say again? You didn't uh, tell your parents about what was going on? 
I did not. And mm. and they had never, you know, sex was a dirty word anyway growing up, so they hadn't really told me about life or any of that stuff. Um, so, you know, I it's like I knew this was wrong, but nobody had ever said it was wrong. I just felt it was, you know. Right. Um, but, but here's this supposedly God-fearing, church-going man um, doing this. So, yeah, it, it really bred confusion. It bred anger. And I'd say from around that time, about middle school, I really started kind of adopting this, you know, real tough guy scenario. I was a, I was an angry kid, but uh, I was also kind of a, a goofy kid. So I'd try to put on this kind of mask of being the tough guy. You know, I took up smoking cigarettes when I was 12. And a big part of that was I knew my parents would absolutely hate it. <laughs> so, <All> right. right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of my little jab at them. Yeah, I got um, you. I love my mom to death, but she was kind of an absent parent, too, just emotionally absent. Um, she caught me smoking one time, and she was just really broke up about it, but um, she never told my dad. You know, she was she was that enabler type. All right. So that let me kind of go on and just, frankly, just be a jerk. You right. know, I was a real jerk in my teenage years. Well, somewhere in there, um, you, you they, from what I understand, you you ended up in a church camp or something? They, they got you into church camp in one did. summer? Okay. Yeah. What happened yep. there? So... Um, you know, and it, my parents aren't perfect. They got plenty of flaws, but they did a few things right. And one of those was they got their kids to church camp in the summers. So I was about 16, I think, when I went to a, a church camp. And there at camp, you know, I had a counselor, and uh, he just saw right through me. Uh, he saw that I was, you know, totally putting on uh, a fake character on the outside. And uh, he just called me out. And, you know, he said, well, you know, you're, you're not this big, bad, tough guy that you think you are. Um, and you're also not a Christian, because I, you know, growing up in a Christian household, I had kind of learned to play the Christian game on the one side, and, and when dad's around, be the good Christian kid. Right. But when I'm off on my own, doing my own thing, which was a lot, you know, being whatever I want to be. So this guy saw right through it, and he just called me out. He said, man, you know, you, you want to tell these other people that you're a Christian, and you're not, but you're also not this tough guy that you think you are. And I don't know why, but his words just struck me and and I knew the gospel so it, he didn't have to explain that to me I just knew and I received Jesus as my savior that night great um, but you know that high experience being on the mountaintop um, and it was it was a great experience I was walking on air um, but I came back down off the mountain you know literally and figuratively and yeah. I went to a new school mm -hmm. a high school I didn't know anybody and right away, I found that crowd of kids back at the, the Smoker's Corner. Sure. And uh, you can get anything you want at the Smoker's Corner. Right, right. So, mm -hmm. um, I thank God I, I did not get into using drugs. I, I tried it a little bit, um, just never liked it. But, uh, but that became the crowd. You know, it's amazing the way that those kids who were kind of on the outside, um, you know, they weren't the cool kids, uh, but they'd take anybody in. Right. So... Those are the people that I hung out with for most of high school. Well, you made it through uh, high school with uh, with all those issues and ended up graduating. So after you kind of uh, got through that, uh, did you go to did, go to college next, or what was what was, was next well, on your schedule there? Yeah, I I did what everyone in my family does. Uh, go uh, join the, in the army. army. Okay, yeah, I well, that makes sense. Didn't really have a plan. I just knew I I wanted to be done and want to get out of the house. So uh joined the Army and went to basic training and 
you know, during basic training, I tried to kind of fix myself. I tried to work on being a better Christian, got into a Bible study, um, and I was doing okay. Uh, I had a girlfriend out of high school, or, you know, during high school, and then uh, after basic, she became my fiance. Oh, okay. And um, so that was a great thing. You know, I was living high on the hog there. Right. Um, got money, got a fiance, and I'm doing better trying to be a Christian guy. But the Army sent me off to Korea. And okay. so I'm this new young guy, 18 years old, got money in my pocket for the first time. And day one in Korea, the guy said, hey, let's go to the hill. And, and the hill is a red light district, a place called Itaewon. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty famous. Right. So there I am, day one. And uh, they have these bars there. They call them soju kettles. And it's, it's a special Korean liquor. And uh, from the first day in Korea, I was going up to the hill getting drunk, um, just getting hammered all the time, just having fun, you know, just blowing all my money on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Korea was really interesting. It was a lot of fun. Um, I did some some good things, too. Um, if I could maybe just tell you really quick, though, you mm-hmm. know, one of the things that I, I kind of, honestly, I still struggle with, uh, a little bit of shame about this, but, you know, we just had the anniversary of September 11th. Um, I remember that moment very, very vividly, even though I was completely hammered. My friends and I had been out just messing around, just being idiots on the town. And I came back into the barracks that night completely hammered. I saw the news on the TV, and I thought it was either a joke or a movie or an accident. And I just passed out and didn't think anything of it until the next day. Um, and I, I still kind of struggle a little bit with just that shame of knowing what was mm-hmm. going on. And there I was, just acting like a total idiot. Right. But uh, but that's that's another. Well, thing. the Holy Spirit's so. still talking to you. It's, you keep poking you all the time, you know, telling you you're doing the wrong thing. And so it's in the back of your mind you're doing the wrong thing. But uh, you know, you just you just keep doing. It. I, I've been there, believe me. But uh, I guess yep. you told me they they even had a bar right on the post, right? Oh yeah, two blocks. So there, there was the Navy Club, yeah. ten cent wings. Yeah, boy. So <laughs> get the guys in and. Get them all plastered for cheap, and then show up for PT the next morning anyway. Yeah, so all so, the, the new guys coming in, they just all kind of fell into the same deal. It's just kind of a cycle. Yep. Yeah. I would say that you know, the most of the guys I knew sure did anyway. Yeah. Um, I was in an MP brigade, and uh, yeah, that was the thing. You know. Right. Drink hard, PT hard. Right. So. Well, um, well then you uh, you met somebody over there, I guess, right? I did. So. That went on for the better half of the year, and I, I guess I can't even explain how it all wound up happening, but I went up meeting another lady, and um, I still have my fiance back home, you know, still wrote her letters and made phone calls when I could, um, but I met a lady there, and she was married, she was twice my age, she was 42, um, and uh, looking back now, I realized I, I probably had some kind of mom issues, because my, my mother was kind of emotionally distant. Um, I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I guess I can't get too deep into right. that. But, right. um, but you know, there was something kind of weird there. But man, she had money. Um, was she, she had a, a, was she a, a marriage, was she a Korean woman? Say again. Was she a Korean woman? No, she was American. Oh, okay. um, her her husband was a uh, was actually an Air Force officer stationed officer. there in Korea oh. with us. Okay. Um, and we lived a high life. I mean. For a few months, there was nothing uh, that we didn't do. And, and you know, her, drinking her, and driving, partying, 
Her husband didn't know about this? Occasions. We, um, we broke into her boss's office uh, one night, you know, just for the fun of it. Oh, so she, she worked at a little uh, store there on post just kind of, I guess, for the fun of it. I don't even know why she did that. But, so, so you're just looking for, um, the, uh, looking for the adrenaline rush. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Did her, hus- did her husband hey, know about this? we wanted this? to do, we just did it. <laughs> and I'm blown away that we never got caught, we never got arrested, right. we, we never got found out. You, well, know? Well, you got to tell me, uh, did her... Of course, all my buddies knew what I was doing, <laughs> right? But, but no authorities ever found out. So. Uh, all right, well, tell, tell me this. Did, did her husband know about it? I think he probably did, to be honest. Okay. All right. I, I don't actually know, but I almost have to wonder how he couldn't know. Right. You know what I mean? All right. But there was no confrontations or anything like that? Nope. Okay. I, I yeah. actually you know, ran into him a few times and wow. um, didn't really talk to him, but yeah. I knew who he was. He apparently had some passing concept of who I was. So right. kind well, of a weird situation, to be honest. I, I'd say, I, I I'd know, say that's a good word for it. Weird, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah really weird. Uh, I have a hard time thinking he could be that oblivious, but maybe well, so. Maybe he didn't know. want to know. You know, he didn't want to admit it at least. Well, yeah. you so you're getting ready to come back to the states, and you find out uh, good or bad news. Yeah. I guess you found out uh, found out she was pregnant, right? Yep. Okay. And uh, I, I have every reason to assume it was my kid. She said it was my kid. She hadn't been with her husband, and um, you know, at the end of the day, we don't know, but. I certainly took that as my kid. But you came so, uh, you came back to the states. So did she stay in Korea? Or? Uh, she only stayed a little bit longer than me. Um, shortly after I left, she went ahead and left her husband, and she moved back to the states. Um, she didn't oh, move back to be with me per se. Right, um, right. I went back. I went to California. I got okay. stationed down at Fort Irwin, and she moved up to Oregon. Um, so she's pregnant. She's there living by herself with her kids. Um, she actually had kids younger than me. She had one kid who was actually older than me, but he wasn't at home anymore. Again, just the weirdness of all that. Right. But um, so she's up there in Oregon. You know, we we linked up several times, but um, in the midst of all that, she was a few months along and she miscarried the child. Yeah. yeah. And so I actually went up there to Oregon um, after that happened and spent several days with her and her mental health, her emotional health really started going downhill. Um, it was just very, very hard for both of us, really, because, you know, I felt extremely responsible. You know, I, I, I reflected so. a lot on the story of King David. You know, and he saw Bathsheba, and he, he took this married woman, and they had a child, and then, then part of God's discipline for David was that that child died. And I saw myself in that situation. Right. I said, this is my fault. I conceived a child. And because of what I'm doing, because of my sin, this child bore that brunt and was taken away. Right. Now, today, I believe that a child who dies in the womb gets to go to heaven. I, I, I'm going to believe that that's just the grace of God. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. He doesn't punish kids for things they haven't done. Right. But back then, I didn't really believe that. I didn't know. Right. You know, I said, well, you know, I, I believe in original sin, and so um, and the kid was born in iniquity or conceived in iniquity. And, that kid's probably in hell, you know. Yeah. So that really weighed on me even right. more. So the guilt was um, heavy. I'm, I'm glad today I understand grace a little bit more, you know. Right. But yeah, guilt um, just ate me up. Right. So I, so you started drinking a little bit more. I had the habit then. of drinking for fun. Yeah. Um, but now I had the habit of drinking to forget. 
And right. uh, ultimately, that relationship didn't go anywhere. Uh, you know, we talked about it. It wasn't we didn't break up per se. It wasn't like we didn't see eye to eye. We just knew that, you know, it, we didn't have a future together. Right. So we both walked away, um, and and I had to live with that. Mm-hmm. And so, then, of course, I broke up with my fiance. Um, I kept that engagement, you know, technically until I got back to the states, and I never told her. Right. So I, I I ruined those plans. Never gave her any explanation as to why I was leaving her. Just left that. So, so I was in a place there, just a really dark place. And um, mm-hmm. eventually, what it came to was, yeah, of course, I had to work, and, and I spent a lot of time in the field. So you know, sometimes up to two weeks at a time in the field, you can't have liquor out there. Right. So if I was back in the garrison and off duty, I would drink to forget. And it got to where if I was on duty or somewhere I couldn't drink, I would just burn myself. Um, burn yourself how? Cigarettes. Oh. I would just light okay. up a cigarette and smoke it and then put it out on my arm and then light it and smoke it some more and put it out on my arm. And, well, 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 and I know it sounds so silly, but I mean... Well, I don't know if it's silly or I not. I would do but, that for 20 minutes at a time. Yeah, well, what, over uh, and over. what was... Uh, I mean, what satisfaction did I give you, I guess, is... You know, it, it's hard to really put a finger on it, but I, I guess if I had to kind of try to figure it out, I would say when I'm hurting inside, you know, to manifest that physically somehow felt like a release. Right. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I couldn't drink the pain away. I couldn't drink the thoughts away, but I could do that, and it kind of felt good. Right. Um it was a little weird, but you know, there's a, that sometimes yeah. pain just feels good because it's, right. it's what you got going on inside. So I got you. Mm-hmm. So I would do that. Um, eventually, you know, one of the guys saw me doing that and told the sergeant, and the sergeant drugged me to a shrink. Um, to make a long story short, the shrink said, "Well, um, you know, there's nothing I can do to help." I told the shrink exactly why I was so depressed, why I was so upset, mm-hmm. and um, I was really, really let down. Because he literally said to me that uh, I'm hopeless. There's really nothing he can do to help me. But I just need to get out of the army and go on with my life. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me! This professional psychiatrist is telling me that I'm hopeless and he can't help me. You know. Yeah. Well, so, may- maybe you weren't ready for help either. You know, mentally, you got to be in, and, the, and in the right probably mind. Probably a lot of truth to that. But you just uh, you kind of went right about. Right, right against what he said, and you re-enlisted, right? I did. Yeah. Yep. You just carried on I this mean, guilt. Know, and Yeah, I mean, I didn't know what else to do with my life, you know? Right. So, I as well keep going. Um, turned out to be a good thing, though. Um, mm. Right around that time, so I, I'll, I guess just to set the stage a little bit, you know, um, because of my experiences as a child with both my father and then um, with this guy who was, who was sexually abusing me as a child, I really didn't trust men. I had no good, honest relationships with any men. Um, I sought out female friends, but too often they became, you know, sexual partners. All right. So, um, you know, for God to get my attention, he did something that is still just blows my mind today. He surrounded me. I, I went up going to a chapel there on post, and I met these three women who were all married, and they were godly women, and 
they just for some reason kind of gathered around me like this flock of hens <laughs> right. and like took me under their wing, you know? Mm. And, and it was totally pure. There was never any hint of, of, you know, sexual attraction or anything. It was just like the three mothers that I never had. And, um, they would take me to their house, you know, they would feed me. Um, you know, I, I met their husbands and talked with them, but again, I didn't really trust men. Um, so it was these women who were just being a mother. Um, they would literally, and they saw the burns on my arms and they, you know, washed them and put, put bandages on there, um, several times. And they just showed me what Jesus was like. And it, mm -hmm. it blew me away. You know, I grew up in a Christian home, but these ladies love Jesus differently, you know? Right. Uh, and I still remember him, uh, well, Laura, Don, and Dee Dee. It's what you needed at um, the time. It's exactly what I needed, right. you know? So they said, um, they said, hey, you know, yeah, I, obviously they were always talking to me about God stuff, and um, this kind of weird opportunity came up for me to go back to that same church camp I had been at when I was 16, and they're like, yep, go, you need to go, you need to go. So I went, and I'm uh, just sitting back up there on that same mountain again, um, I told God I was done. And I said, I'm done with uh, relationships with women. I'm done with the drinking. I'm done with all this stuff. And, and it was like just, you know, it, it was like a rucksack was just lifted off me. And it yeah. was great. Um, well, we talk about the flip all the time, you know, when, when, when people flip. And uh, that was kind of a semi-flip because you weren't quite done with everything. But you, you figured you had to get back on the right path. You were trying to do the right thing. You got out of the military and uh, got married, mm -hmm. but but you then you started having other issues. Yep, and yep. So what was going um, on there? Yeah, so the, the drinking went away. Um, to fast forward a little bit, I'm married to a Christian woman, and out of the army. Um, life's going okay. I, I wanted to go into the ministry, and I, well, I did go into the ministry. I became an associate pastor. Um, marriage was not working very smoothly you know mm -hmm. my wife came with some baggage that i didn't understand i came with baggage she didn't understand and i had never dealt with those trust issues with men i had never dealt with the uh the abuse and stuff as a child um and i, I just it stuffed it and i thought it was it was done right. well a little ways into marriage these things begin you know just gradually kind of slowly coming out um i didn't know how to handle conflict very well and things like that right. um so we wind up in marriage therapy. There in therapy, um, the truth about that sexual molestation and whatnot began coming out. And I actually began having, I, I had a flashback there at therapy, like a full-on, um, very, very strange experience uh, where, I mean, I, was, I felt like I was back there on that farm again. Um, Nightmares? I, I traumatized again, you know. Nightmares? Is that what it was? Um, well, that, that started a pattern then of nightmares, yeah. um, not just nightmares, but like even during the day, oh, I would yeah. just randomly get memories just suddenly pop in, just, just come into my head and just overwhelm me. We well, buried it and, for how many years now? I mean, it's yeah, tw it, it, it's been buried so 12. long and now all yeah. of a sudden it's just popping up randomly and, so, you know, I'd be having a conversation with somebody and yeah. all of a sudden just overcome with these thoughts and I have to excuse myself. Yeah. Um, it was terrible. <laughs> frankly. And in the midst of all that, I also began being um, abusive towards my wife. Right. Um, well, I, I remember part of the story. She stayed with you through the whole thing, so that's a good part of the story. She did. Yeah, but... She uh, toughed it out. 
But you ended up getting in Celebrate Recovery right after that. So tell me about Celebrate Recovery. What did it make you realize? We have about two minutes. You know, okay, two minutes. Um, I actually started with a prayer group. Um, through a few years in a prayer group, God began to, to teach me to be able to trust men. So I'm so thankful he was patient with me like that. Our church started CR, and I went to that prayer group uh, because one of those guys was involved. And I said, hey, why don't we do a step study here? And they were like, yeah, you know, let's do it. Um, it took us 18 months through that step study the first time. But at the end of the day, the big moment, and I could, I could talk all day about the experience, but the big moment was when um, we were most of the way through, and I was sitting on my couch one morning just, just reading the Bible, and it's like it, it God spoke to me, and, and not audibly, but almost, you know, it was so clear. God said to me, you know, I've forgiven you of so much stuff that you've done. You've hurt people, you've, you've done a lot of things, and I've washed it all away and forgiven it. But you're still hanging on to your anger and hatred towards somebody who hurt you 25 years ago. Why can't you let that go? So it was all about forgiveness, and, and you had to realize you needed to forgive him as much as uh, anything. Exactly. And I guess you and contacted him is, by is mail. Gone, and yeah. I was able to forgive him that day and to say his name, which I had never been able to say before. That's great. Well, that's that's what Celebrate Recovery can do for you. Come back and make you realize that you need to analyze the situation, get over it, and not stuff it in anymore. So, all right, Dan. Well, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, that was certainly enough story that's going to help some people. We always end the uh, show with the uh, serenity prayer, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. All right, thank you, Dan. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll, we'll see you thank down you, the road Darren. somewhere. Thank you, Darren. God all bless right. you, and God bless all your listeners out there. All right. My name's Darren, and this is New Endings. We'll see you next week.